0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Last week, someone drove down the Boylston Street Alley and accidentally took the side view mirror of my Jeep with them. They accidentally forgot to leave a note too. It's okay, I love an excuse to do business with Charlie Lee at Prospect Auto Body. I call and say, hi Charlie, it's Kim, and he says, hi Kim, how are you? And then without missing a beat, and it doesn't matter how long it's been since the last time my car got wrecked, he says, Jeep Liberty 2012, black, how can I help? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that if my heart were broken instead of my mirror, Charlie would say the same thing as he always says, come on over, I'll take care of you. So I'm at Charlie's shop, waiting for my new side-view mirror, making my way through a pile of snail mail, sitting next to someone, coincidentally, whose Prius looks suspiciously like it might have sideswiped a black Jeep and taken off the side-view mirror. (laughs) He sees an envelope addressed to the church, and he asks me, of all questions, why I belong to a church. So I refrain from saying, I like hanging out with the kind of people who would have left a note on my windshield. (laughs) Instead, I launch into our mission, love, service, justice, peace, and our covenant to build the beloved community. And he says, oh, you're so lucky to have playmates. So now I realize he's one sandwich short of a picnic. But... (laughs) The price of my new mirror has also brought me this gift. I wonder, what about play? What the dictionary defines as pleasurable and apparently purposeless activity. Play for no ends but joy. What about play as a spiritual practice? So I turn to the work of Donald Winnicott, British pediatrician and psychoanalyst, who believed that play is the key to emotional and psychological well-being and fosters our capacity for being, the capacity, the ability to feel genuinely alive. And by play, he did not mean just child's play, but the ways we play as adults, creating and discovering, making music and art, reading, pursuing our hobbies, playing sports or, and here's the sweet stretch, visiting and talking and laughing together. He saw play at any age as crucial to the development of authentic selfhood because when people play, we're keenly engaged in what we're doing and we feel real, spontaneous, and alive. At play, we are our true selves. From Dr. Winnicott, I drove headlong into the work of Dr. Stuart Brown, who was a workaholic physician until age 63 when he founded the National Institute for Play on a mission to bring the unrealized knowledge, practices, and benefits of play to public life. You will never believe how he got there. Enter the tragedy of Charles Whitman, Raised in a devout Roman Catholic family, Charles Whitman was the youngest boy in the world to ever become an Eagle Scout. He grew up to be a marine corpsman, engineering student, and scout leader. And then on August 1, 1966, in Austin, Texas, he killed 17 people, including his wife and his mother perpetuating what was then the largest mass murder in the history of the United States. Dr. Stuart Brown's residency in neurology and psychiatry had included some studies of violence, he says, and because in August in Texas, most people who are important are elsewhere, I was put in charge of trying to figure out why Charles Whitman committed this horrendous crime. Experts from around the world converged and studied everything about Charles Whitman there was to study. Dr. Brown writes, without going through that entire story, one of the major conclusions was that a remarkably systematic suppression of any free play, largely the result of his father's overbearing and intense personality, the lack of play had prevented Charles Whitman from ever having engaged in normal play. And even more astonishing, it turned out that the clearest connection among the lives of highly violent men is not having been allowed to play. A team studied all the young murderers who were not career criminals but whose crime was homicide and found that the vast majority of them, on the order of 90%, had, in Dr. Brown's words, really bizarre, absent, deficient, seriously deviant play histories. So as a rule, it's not that without play, we will become mass murderers. (laughs) Although sometimes I feel that way. Um, (laughs) It's just that without play, life becomes a kind of endurance contest. The essence, the sweetness is missing. When we are deprived of play, says Stuart Brown, we being both human and non-human animals, we are fixed and rigid in our responses to complex stimuli. We don't have a repertoire of choices that are as broad as our intelligence should allow us to have. We don't understand irony. We experience depression. We lack adaptability and we don't seek out novelty and newness, which is an essential aspect of play, enabling us to cope in a world of many demands. Dr. Jane Goodall, the world's foremost authority on chimpanzees, says, play teaches young animals what they can and cannot do when they are relatively free from the survival pressures of adult life. Dr. Bob Fagan, who studies bears, says they play because it's fun. But when pressed adds, in a world continuously presenting unique challenges and ambiguity, play prepares them for an evolving planet. And Dr. Stuart Brown concludes, at least for the past 200,000 years or so, our capacity as a species to adapt, whether we're in the Arctic or the tropics, the desert or a rainforest, appear to be related significantly to our capacity to play. Play equips us to live in the world. His studies of humans conclude that the rough-and-tumble play of children actually prevents violent behavior and can grow human talents and character. Play, he says, can be a glimpse of the divine. A glimpse of the divine We can say yes to play because it's good for us. It's good for us as individuals and as a society. But as Dr. Brown says, a little guilt-free purposelessness is also good for our souls. Bob Fagan has made his home in Alaska and hung out in trees for hours upon hours, year after year, just watching bears play. And having immersed himself in the study of play, He's experienced, he says, a kind of osmosis or permission to play and has a kind of spiritual aesthetic about play that permeates his life, a certain quality of optimism and compassion. So what about play as a spiritual practice? Play proffers a deeply restorative timelessness and freedom. If we reflect on how we played as kids, it can summon up those sensual, visceral memories, everything so heightened and time stretched out over long afternoons and into the evenings. We can tap into experiences that gave us a kind of pure joy. The mere act of remembering the profound immersion in whatever we're doing or making or just being opens a kind of spaciousness in our hearts and reminds us of who we were, and who we are. And that's the point. Perhaps now, as much as ever, we need play. Two summers ago, Kem and I took nine teenagers backpacking into the Grand Canyon. Kids whose lives have literally been programmed for success from Mozart playing to them in the womb to playdates and gymnastics and ballet and music lessons and soccer and lots and lots of school. So precious little time to play. We hiked into the blazing heat of the desert and set them loose in Bright Angel Creek, where they spent hours and hours building a dam to make a swimming hole, a spa really. And then on up to Phantom Creek, where they jumped from a high ledge and splashed into the pool below. And farther up on the the north side to Ribbon Falls, where they sat under the cascading water, shrieking with the shock of the cold and undiluted delight. In the evening, they cooked together, played simple card games and guessing games, rolled out their sleeping bags under the stars, and slept so. After a week as we hiked back up and out to the rim under the supermoon of that long ago June, one of them said, I want to stay in the canyon forever. And another said, I'm not really made for the world. But the truth is they were readier for the world than they'd ever been and carrying out more than their packs. They were carrying the bone-deep knowledge of a way to restore themselves, a way when they were physically, emotionally, and spiritually depleted to fill the well again. Play. Beloved spiritual companions, play is the key to emotional and psychological well-being. When we're keenly engaged in what we're doing, we feel real, spontaneous, and alive. We are our true selves. May we make music and art, read, pursue our hobbies, play sports, talk, and laugh together. May we circle back in memory to play we have loved and then make new memories pleasurable, and apparently purposeless activity. Play for no ends but joy. Play as a spiritual practice. Play as immersion in the divine. Beloved playmates, Ollie Oli and free. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.